Arizona Sports. Kevin Durant. Watch. The latest on KD to the Suns with Burns and Gambo. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. <laughs> yeah, we're... 99% sure they were going to retire that particular mm. show open after today. So I'm hamming it up today. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to go out, go out in style. I mean, if today's the last day we're going to play it, play it. Play the hell out of it. Just sell it to a radio station in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> you want this? It's pretty good. Yeah. Good voice guy. Sons didn't have anything he wanted. You want this? Yeah, we'll trade we'll you trade this. you Kevin Durant for it. Trade you, we'll, we'll trade you this sounder for a couple of hot dogs. What do you think? <laughs> Sound good? A couple slices of pizza on the street? A couple bagels? Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's make it happen. A couple of sabred hot dogs with sauerkraut and that spicy golden mustard. Oh, I'll trade that Kevin, that Kevin Durant sounder for a couple of hot dogs just like that. Oh, that sounds good. Nothing just like, don't nothing make them like a straw for your beer, please. Oh, did you see that? That was crazy. That was crazy. The guy, the guy. at a Yankees game yeah. who turned his hot dog into a straw <laughs> and drank his beer. <laughs> that was crazy. It was, it was the craziest. And the <laughs> internet was just... It's like, what's the stupidest thing you've ever done with food? There it is. It was just exploding with that today. Mm. Exp- everybody was talking about the guy who made the straw out of the hot dog who drank the beer out of it. What we're talking about here on the Burns and Gambo Show instead is Kevin Durant, very apparently not coming to the Phoenix Suns. It was uh, reported this morning, first by Sham Sharania, that Steve Nash, Joe Sy, Sean Marks, uh, they all met with Kevin Durant and his business partner, his agent in L.A. today. They have decided to move forward with their partnership. They shortly released a statement afterwards. We have agreed to move forward with our partnership. We are focusing on basketball with one collective goal in mind. Build a lasting franchise to bring a championship to Brooklyn. Translation, Kevin Durant caved. Kevin Durant in this game of chicken, Kevin Durant jumped first. He flinched. He 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 decided that he wasn't going to get what he wanted. Brooklyn made that very clear to him. And he's like, fine, if I'm not going anywhere, I, I guess they're going to make it work for now. The Suns, this journey started back on June 30th when Kevin Durant requested out and it was reported immediately thereafter he wanted to come to the Phoenix Suns. Right. We've been obsessed with giving, getting Kevin Durant here since. How close did it come? It never got close. It never got close. And if you remember the same day that it got reported, I reported on June 30th, the same day, It's it's. if you go back on my Twitter timeline, you'll see it, the Nets are not interested in DeAndre Ayton. That blew up nationally. I had people calling me to go on radio shows all across the country for that because the Nets don't want Ayton. That was the first. That that was the blow. Like that was that was the blow. I mean, it was a knockout blow in many ways. If we go back to June thirtieth, Kevin Durant wants to come to Phoenix. Okay, the Nets don't want DeAndre Ayton. That was the knockout blow. Yeah. The Suns never had any type of package that the Nets were in. The Nets didn't want Aiden. There was nothing you could. They got a twenty at that time. You have a twenty-three year old center, number one overall pick, dominated in the playoffs the year you went to the NBA Finals. Maybe the third or fourth best center in the entire league. Mm-hmm. You don't want him. You don't want him. Now, at the time, June thirtieth, when I reported that, it took a few weeks, but it, proved, it was proven to be true. They didn't want him. Once there was no Aiton, there really was no deal. The Suns would check in on a regular basis. There was there was um, there was several calls between the Suns and the Nets over this time period, but never was never was an offer extended. 
Okay? Never did the Suns say, here's our offer. Or did the Nets say, here's our proposal. Because the Nets would always say, you just, you don't have what it would take. Like, we're looking for a, we're looking for a deal that you can't make that work, you know? So, you know, the Suns, I, I expect that they explored a couple of three ways and four way possibilities. I know other teams sure. are exploring things. But a, a deal between the Nets and the Suns never, never, never even got close. Yeah, and there's no, there's no doubt that that Eaton news was the critical piece of information in all this. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, looking back on it, because it, it, I remember even then thinking, okay, well, if not Aiton, then how? Right. How? how? How is this going to get done? Who? I mean, I, I like Mikhail. I like Cam. I would gladly give both of them up to get Kevin Durant plus every first-round pick from here to the end of time. If that, But but is that really going to be enough? And then, and then the other part that you mentioned, I'm sure there was work being done behind the scenes for the by the Phoenix Suns to work that three-team trade, work that four-team trade, try to find some combination to pick the lock, right, to unlock Kevin Durant from the Brooklyn Nets. But three-team trades are tricky. Four-team trades are tricky. It's a lot of moving parts. And once Aiton got locked in and once Aiton was not desired, I, I can see why that would really kill the deal before the deal even got off the ground. Oh, great. The Suns are going to get Kevin Durant. The Suns, Kevin Durant wants to come to the Phoenix Suns. Wait, they don't want DeAndre Aiton? Well, how? Yeah. How was it? How is they it going to happen? Yeah. That it, was your piece. Like that was that your. Was the, that was the big. That was your piece. Yep. You know, I mean, because at that time we were talking about, okay, you know, now, but, you know, there was, you know, how much is Aiton going to cost on the contract and all of that stuff? Like, he, he, okay. you can only, he's going to sign for 30, but you can only bring back 18. So what, what are you going to do to make it worse? The, the whole base year compensation, sure, all sure. of that stuff. So Remember? I, can, I can hear somebody in our audience saying right now, well, okay, then why were you guys still talking about this as much as you were, even after Gambo reported Aiton was not desired by the Nets? And, and I'll tell you at least, from my perspective, the reason why we kept talking about it was because I just assumed Kevin Durant would do enough to make the Nets uncomfortable, make them feel like they had to trade him, make them feel like they would take less than what they wanted for Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant was just going to be a pain in their rear. And he tried. You know, he demanded the coach get fired. He demanded the general manager got fired. He he was taking shots at the organization. The Nets never budged. They never flinched. No, I met they, with they, the owner in London and then like Three hours later, like all the news came out about what happened in that meeting. The Annette's owner didn't leak yeah. it. KD's people did. Right. We met. Like, that was all set. A- and tell so- me when the meeting's over. I know exactly what I'm going to say. And boom, it was it was done. So once Aiton was out, then it became okay. There's two ways this can this can happen. Number one, it's a four team trade, which is very difficult to do. Yeah. Or number two, Kevin Durant just makes the situation so nauseating for the Nets. They'll take whatever they can get for him. And Kevin Durant never did it to the Nets. The, the Nets held firm. They held their ground in the game of chicken. They didn't flinch. They didn't, they didn't, they just, nope, we're not trading you. And Kevin Durant, apparently, that was communicated to him clearly enough that he decided to drop everything and kiss and make up with the Nets because this thing feels for now like it's over. Now, our poll question, is he still going to be a net by the end of the year? I don't know. You don't know. I think he will be. So, but that situation's pretty volatile even still, I would think. I would think so, too. I, I would think that it 
will be. And, you know, as the time goes by, as the trade deadline approaches and passes and, you know, we'll see what happens if the Nets get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. If KD reiterates that he wants out. OK, I gave you guys a year to see if it will work. It didn't work. And now I want out. But I, I asked today if if they were ever told, you know, that you guys were out of it. And, and what I was told is that they no, they no, we were never told we were out because we were never in it. We were, we were never really in it. Multiple calls were made. The Nets, you know, dictate everything. They don't mm-hmm. negotiate. They dictate. There's no bartering here. So it's like they own a house, and here's what the house is going to cost. And if you, you don't have what the, the pieces to pay for the house, then you can't buy the house. So Mikel was never offered. Now, you know that's a big piece to this, because I've been saying that all along, that the Suns never offered Mikel Bridges. And up until about two days ago, there had never been any report that he was offered. Then there was a report, but it was kind of worded loosely. It was worded. Dangled. That was the word that was used. He right. was dangled. And I will, I'm going to reiterate this, and you know, because I've been saying this for two months now. The Suns never offered Mikael Bridges. There was never a concrete offer made. And the Nets never made a proposal to the Suns because they were never that close. There was nothing the Suns had that the Nets really wanted. So there was never, they never got to that point where well, let's negotiate a deal. There was no negotiation. The Nets could dictate what they want. They've got the player. So they never got to that point where, okay, we're close. We, the Nets were never close with anybody. They don't. It was not that they weren't close. They weren't close with anybody. Yeah, not just the Suns, but everybody. There was no deal that was close. Yeah, and all along, I've sort of assumed that Mikel had to know that if there was going to be a Kevin Durant trade, that he was going to be a part of it. But he never seemed bothered by it. You know, whether he was singing karaoke that night at the Vine in Tempe when they closed it down, or when he was with Devin Booker and Chris Paul for Sue Bird's final regular season game. Yeah, he never seemed that phased by the fact that that you know the Suns maybe he was never offered and maybe the Nets never asked, but I think anybody who knows how this was going to work had to know Mikel was going to be involved in it somehow if it came to pass, and I'm sure Mikel knew that too. It just didn't seem to bother him. He didn't seem, and, it, and I, I hope, I don't think this will be a problem moving forward. I don't get the impression from Mikel that it's going to be a I don't problem think it will moving either. forward. You know? I agree with you. It, you know, because his, his name wasn't mentioned, and, and he wasn't asked for, and it wasn't offered, and even if it were, he just seems like the kind of guy who will let that thing just roll away and not bother him. So yeah. we move on, at least for now, and Kevin Durant stays with the Nets, at least for now. When we come back, the Arizona Cardinals have a new member on their offensive line. How are the experts grading Arizona's newest addition and what the Cards felt like they had to do to go get them? You'll hear next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Real quick, before we talk about the grades for the Cody Ford trade and kind of what it means for the Cardinals moving forward, Jeff Passan, about a half hour ago, reported that Dodgers star right-hander Walker Bueller underwent Tommy John surgery today. He made the announcement on his Instagram. He will miss, obviously, the rest of this year. He will almost certainly miss all of next year because this is his second Tommy John surgery, and as such, the recovery typically takes a little longer. Now, So who are the Lakers? Who are the Dodgers going to get to replace him? Like, who's the who's one of the top five pitchers in the game right now? Yeah, because like, that's what they'll, they'll, they'll do. Get him, of course. <laughs> you sit there, you think for a second, for a split second, my mind went, it went. Well, I wonder if that's an opening for teams like the Diamondbacks and the Padres and others to maybe catch the Dodgers. Then I'm like, you know what? They're just going to go get somebody else. <laughs> like, they're just going to go. They're just going to go 
go get a top pitcher and and replace Walker Bueller with that guy because that's what they do. All right. So top MLB free agents of 2023. Uh, let's see. Going just looking for pitchers here. Come on. Carlos Radon, Jacob DeGrom, Justin Verlander is going to be a free agent. Uh, Chris Bassett is going to be a free agent for the Mets. Um, Clayton Kershaw was on the list. I'm just looking for just like, sign three of them. Who's that guy? Right. I mean, because you're, you're 100% right. They just gonna care. Replace them. They're just right. going to go sign somebody and pay him a million, hundred million uh, did dollars. Did you scroll by Adam Wainwright? I just scrolled by Adam Wainwright. Yeah, you're looking at it. So starting He's pitchers. is dirt, but I love Adam Wainwright. They've got Jacob Jacob DeGrom, Aaron Nola, Carlos Radon, Nathan Eovaldi, Chris, not Chris Sale, Chris Bassett, Noah Syndergaard, Luis Severino, Adam Wainwright, Sonny Gray. Those are the guys who might be available, and they'll probably just end up getting one of those guys. When just get one of those guys. Yeah. But that is, Walker Buell is one of the best pitchers in the game. I mean, it's clearly going to hurt the Dodgers this year come playoff time when you're playing in a seven-game series. Not having that dude be able to go two games for you, maybe three, that's going to hurt. Uh, that's going to hurt a lot because there are some teams, you know, the Cardinals, Cardinals are a threat, and, and, and so is so are the Braves, and so are the Mets, and so you know there there are some good teams that could beat the Dodgers. Without Bueller, that is going to hurt the Dodgers. And since we're talking baseball, I'll pass this along because Zach Buchanan from the Athletic just tweeted this out a moment ago. Jordan Lawler just got promoted to Double A by the Diamondbacks organization. The future at shortstop, their prize shortstop Gosh, man, prospect. That's... He's already at Double A. Let's see how he does. If we ever like, if we delve into this, the lack of production that they have got from shortstop this year is oh, yeah. mind-boggling. Oh yeah, it's mind-boggling. Hey, their shortstops have zero, have zero. They've like got zilch. virtually nothing out of those guys. Perdomo plays a nice defensive shortstop. He can't hit. He can't hit. It's like he can't hit. It's like, look, I'm, and I'm willing, we, we had Nick Ahmed out there for a number of years and still might for a couple more, at least one more with one his more contract. One more year left on his contract. When he couldn't hit, I mean, you could say, well, he plays really good defense out there, but we need him to hit enough to justify him being out there. Perdomo hasn't hit Can't hit. well at all. No, like no. The, the production at shortstop has been terrible for them. So we'll see how Lawler does at double A, because you do well at double A. You're not that far away. You know, you're, you're close. It'll be there another month or so. We'll see how that goes. All right, so the uh, trade grades coming in all right. for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh. And uh, the the grades are well, they're they're kind of like what Gambo probably aspired to when he was in high school. Oh yeah, C minus, right? I thought you were going to say F. No, no, Gambo aspired no, no, for was, C's. I would just pass. Listen, pass. That's all you wanted. Just I, pass. I was fortunate that the whole A B C D F thing didn't really. My parents just like, did you pass or fail? Yeah, I passed it. That's what'd you get? A sixty-eight. That's yeah. That was great. That's, like that was just great. Like that's but that's my setup. It was C minus. Yeah, like for my parents, it wasn't about A's or B. It was enough. Did you pass or fail the test? I passed it. Congratulations. That's awesome. Like my, they were very proud of that. Cardinals got a C minus from CBSSports.com. There they. Right, their offensive line on the interior is set with Pugh and Hernandez and Hudson. Ford, at the very least, gives Arizona depth. Uh, they also write it's also very possible Ford's best football days are ahead of him, and reuniting with his college quarterback is something that could lead to better, more consistent play. At the same time, Ford hasn't been very good. It's just possible this change of scenery doesn't improve his play, and the Cardinals simply 
threw away a pick. They gave the Bills, by the way, a more Dave Burns-like B grade for their work in this trade. Basically, a pick, a player that they knew had no future with them. We might as well get something for him because we know he's not going to be here next year when he's a free agent. I started so many games that first year. Started a lot of games, played in a lot of games, but they just kind of felt like, um, you know, they they talked a lot about his just lateral, like the lateral movements and everything inside when they moved him to guard. That it was just, it wasn't there for him. Look, I think change of scenery, getting with Sean Coogler, being back with Kyler Murray. You know, I think that it's, here's how I would say I don't know, but I think it's a worthwhile risk to take if you're the Cardinals. So to sit here and say, I'll give him an A or B, I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen him play. I don't watch a lot of Buffalo Bills games. He was a very good college player who the Cardinals considered taking at pick number 33, along with A.J. Brown and Byron Murphy and one other guy. I reported that the day of the draft, that he was in consideration before the second round, that he was in consideration for that pick at 33. So he obviously had a lot of talent. He was highly rated. To me, it's you're not giving up a first, second, third, fourth. It's a worthwhile risk to go get a guy and see if he can play guard for you. I thought about this yesterday, too. There is a little bit of a track record of success for Steve Keim when it comes to trading picks for players. That's very true. That is very, very true. He's got a little bit of a streak with that. Where He's done, I would say, better than most when it comes to kind of recognizing, hey, that's a player we mean, whether it's Rodney Hudson, whether it was Chandler Jones in his prime, whether it was DeAndre Hopkins, Carson Palmer. Carson. I mean, there's a lot of times where we would say, well, you know, the Cardinals don't have a draft pick in this round because they use that pick to get that player, and that player turns out to be a pretty good addition. Steve Keim, I would say, has been pretty deft at that as the general manager. So in that regard, given his track record with this specific thing, I don't mind giving up a fifth-round pick for Cody Ford. I don't mind it at all. The reunited with Kyler thing is interesting, and I'll play Cliff talked about that today. This is Brandon Bean. He's the general manager of the Bills. This is what he had to say about parting with Cody Ford. Putting it all together, it just ultimately, you know, my heart of hearts, I wanted Cody to, you know, come in here and, and have his best year in, into his fourth year and make it make a decision to whether we were going to re-sign him or not. But um, I think it just circumstances, you know, Cody really wants to start and and felt that's that's what he, he deserved. And, and for us, versatility is very important. Um, you know, and as we pare this down, it just ultimately made the most sense for the Bills and for Cody. Here's Cliff today on if Cody Ford, knowing Kyler, will help him be better in Arizona, adjust in Arizona. Definitely. I think when you have, you know, he played with Hollywood and, and Kyler, two guys that can kind of show you the ropes. Kyler, particularly having been here now for three years, it'll there'll be a comfort level here um, as far as just getting to know the area and getting settled in over the next two weeks before we kick off the regular season. He sent a message to the Bills fans. said, Buffalo, I want to thank you for giving me an opportunity to make a childhood dream come true to everyone in the organization, top to bottom. Thank you for making this a home for me. To my teammates I've had on this journey, thank you for giving me friendship and brotherhoods that I'll have for life. Um, a class guy, just a class guy. The word, the, the word that kept coming out of Buffalo was that he lacked the lateral quickness. The lateral quickness. So we'll see. He played in 38 out of 49 games, but I think something that was said there by Bean was just make him earn a contract for next year. They knew that they weren't going to keep him for next sure. year. And at that point, let's see if we can get something for him. Let's see if we can get... Like, I don't think they would have cut him, but if they get an opportunity to, like, get, like... 
If you know Andy Isabella is not going to come back next year and somebody wants to give you a fifth-round pick for him, you might say, I'll take the fifth-round pick because I'm not going to re-sign you next year. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast, and you can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You're not going to miss any of the shows. The Burns and Gambo Show podcast brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to carolhasthebuyers.com. That's carolhasthebuyers.com. So we know about the Cardinals' newest offensive lineman. What about their youngest offensive lineman? or one of their younger offensive linemen. Josh Jones, what's his present? What's his future? We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Take it for what it's worth uh, in its pro football focus. We have a love-hate relationship with them. We've, we've told you that many, many times. Sometimes we love them. Sometimes we hate them. But Josh Jones was uh, a highly graded player against the Ravens in that preseason game on Sunday night. He had a pass block grade of nearly 79, according to Kyle Odegaard. He had a run block grade of 72. He actually had some video, Josh Jones did, had some video of him from that Ravens game Hosted by Brandon Thorne, who's an offensive line, defensive line uh, analyst. He's a scouting coordinator. He, he He's kind of big on scouting offensive line. And he tweeted out this morning, Cards left tackle Josh Jones played as impressive of a game as I've seen from anyone on the offensive line so far this preseason against the Ravens. A lot of impressive stuff on tape here from him. And then he goes into the techniques and some of the stuff that's you know very technical flash, bait, snatch technique, strong base throughout. Um, and then he wrote, be careful about writing offensive linemen off after only a couple of years. Development isn't always linear, meaning they don't always get better on a timeline that kind of fits the timeline we think that they should get better. And it started on social media, this whole conversation about Josh Jones. And, and I mean, we, we expect him to be the backup swing tackle for the Cardinals this year. We expect him to be a starting tackle for the Cardinals next year. Sean Coogler is already on record as saying, oh yeah, he's a he's a starting tackle in this league. The question is, what exactly do the Cardinals have in Josh Jones, and when can we start to see that in action? Because we had high hopes for this guy when they drafted him two years ago. If I'm not mistaken, and I don't, I don't know how to look this up, DJ Humphreys didn't play a whole lot that first, what, year? Maybe even two years? Let me look up DJ Humphreys. Yeah, like, I how would think he, you're right. I, I go DJ Humphreys ESPN, but it doesn't show me like a game log. I, I DJ Humphreys is your starting left tackle. He's he's on his third contract with the Arizona Cardinals. He's the third highest paid left tackle in the league. But when he got into the league, he wasn't any good. Like he was no good. I mean, not just everybody remembers the knee deep comment, but go back to the games played, games started. Like he didn't come into the league and set the world on fire, right? He was drafted in 2015, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, right. I mean, I, I have to. No, I'm, I'm just I'm asking my. Even though I should probably know that off the top of my head. Yeah, he was drafted in 2015. He didn't play in the regular season until 2016. So he didn't play in 15. Right. And he was hurt a lot in 17 and 18. He played in five games and nine games. So his first his first four years in the league, if my math is right, DJ Humphreys played about 25 games, give or take 27 games. In four years. In four years, he played in 27 yeah, like, games. You, you, you remember, right? Like, the jury was out. Like, you didn't know if he was 
any good or not. You really weren't sure. And then it kind of clicked. You know, it, it just kind of clicked for him and he got good. So, I mean, if, if I use DJ Humphreys as an example, it makes sense. Like what this guy's saying makes a, a lot of sense. And then some guys come in and they're great from day one. Some guys end up being great, but, you know, it just takes them longer. It's just th- th- there's a lot to learn. There's still a lot to develop. It's, you know, it's, it's different than like, you know, like, um, you know, when you're, when, I, you know, I, I remember when, you know, I was like 13, everybody else was hitting puberty. And if I hadn't hit it yet, everybody gets bigger. Like, it's not like that. But there is a, there is still like a learning curve where some guys hit it right away. Yeah. And it's like, it's like them hitting puberty well, at 13 when everybody else has it and they're bigger and stronger. And then other guys just take longer. I, I, I to think, kind of figure it of out. Of course, and I, I think what we expect as NFL fans, and I think we're mostly right to expect this. I mean, I, I look. I still remember. I still remember when the Cardinals drafted him. All right, this was this was pandemic radio. We did our draft show that year from your kitchen. Okay. Yeah. From the table in your kitchen. You remember that? Yeah, I do. And, and I remember driving home from your house on that second day of the draft, and I was in the car picking up Chinese food, I think, to take home when I heard on the radio the Cardinals had drafted Josh Jones. And I thought, oh my God, that's a great pick. What a value pick that is. Right. Third round to get an offensive lineman like that. It's reasonable, I think, for most NFL fans to think that a player drafted in the third round if he's going to be an impact player, it will have happened by now, right? I, I think that's a reasonable kind of conclusion. You're going to draft a guy in the third round, and you've waited his entire rookie year and his entire second year in the league. By now, if he's going to be something, he should probably be something by now. I think that's reasonable to think that. But he's right. It's not always linear. It's not always, not everybody hits puberty at the same time. Not everybody develops at the same time. It's, right. it's different for everybody. The biggest question I have for Josh Jones is if, if all goes according to plan this year, Josh Jones shouldn't play that much, right? DJ should be your left tackle. Kelvin Beecham should be your right tackle. And he should be the backup. And he should be the backup. Well, if it's all, a lot of play, but he, just doesn't right. start. But yeah. that's what I say. If all goes according to plan, he won't play that much. Next year, how are you going to know for sure that Josh Jones is your starting right tackle if that's the job you're going to give him if you're basing that off of not playing that much in 2022? So if the backup swing tackle does get a lot of reps. He, he, he does, but if he's not getting the reps of a starter, right, and you're counting on him okay. being your starting right tackle next year, if all goes according to plan this year, you're not going to be basing that off of a ton so you of can't, in-game NFL action at the position. You can't count on... You know, on on guys playing all seventeen. The reality is that it's unlikely that DJ Humphreys and Calvin Beach and play all seventeen games and I never agree. get hurt. I agree. You know, and even in games, I mean, guy gets hurt in a game, and you may have to come in and play. You know, three quarters. DJ Humphreys starts a game, but he comes out in the first quarter, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's in there and he's playing three quarters. But that's what you have to judge it on. You have to just judge it on the reps because, like, you brought up a really interesting point before the show. You haven't brought it up on this segment yet, I was but just I'm just about gonna, to. Yeah, I was just I'm about just going to say you said it. It's actually genius. What if what if as DJ Humphreys gets older, he moves to right tackle and Josh Jones, whose best position is left tackle, could be your left tackle of the future? 
You know what? That's not a terrible thought. Yeah. I think you paid DJ to be a left tackle. You didn't pay DJ to be a right tackle. So I think that's down the road. I think that's down the road because DJ's still not that old. But somewhere down the road, maybe he ends up being your left tackle. But you would have to keep him and re-sign him and everything, too. You would. And again, that might be, depending on how the season goes, somewhat sight unseen. You might not have a lot of game action to be able to say, okay, let's go re-sign Josh Jones until you have, you know, next year when you have him at that position. And to be fair, I want to make sure I credit the guys who had the conversation. I was kind of, like on Twitter, I was almost eavesdropping on a conversation between Mike Jarecki and Kyle Odegaard. And they were kind of not arguing with each other by any stretch, but they were just talking with each other about, man, is... Is Josh Jones so good that he could just supplant DJ Humphreys as left tackle? And and both guys agreed, I mean, ultimately that, you know, no, I mean, you, you gave DJ all this money. He's he's there to be a left tackle. But I certainly could see, to your point, as DJ gets a little older, if Josh Jones is that good, he's your left tackle of the future because that's the position he played at Houston. Yeah. He wasn't right tackle. He was a left tackle at Houston. But you're not, hey, listen, DJ, if DJ Humphreys ever moves to right tackle, you're going to redo that contract because you're not going to pay him that type of money to be a right tackle. Well, yeah. if I remember right, the way the contract is structured for DJ, it's I, I have to go back and look at it. It's basically like a two-year deal. I mean, it's right. one of those deals where if you wanted to get out of it or restructure it in the third year, you could. it's not that tough. You know, it's one of those it's one of those kind of deals where everything's early, everything happens in the first couple of years. We'll see. We'll see what just you know, you're right. Josh Jones is going to get playing time this year. I don't know how much. If everything goes according to plan, it shouldn't be very much. Things very rarely go according to plan on an offensive line. I bet we see a lot of Josh Jones this yeah, year, and maybe yeah. we'll find out yeah. if he's legit tackle material. In well, this that's interesting or not. That, that, that this guy who breaks down tackles rated him yeah. rated him so high for his play so far. For sure, Phoenix Suns. I'm excited about this. Being a forever Phoenix Suns fan, they just announced their brand new Nike Classic Edition uniform. I saw those. They're so, oh, they're so sweet. The, the, the 30th anniversary of the 92-93 NBA Finals team, uh, we're giving you the chance to be one of the first to own these jerseys. It's the purple sunburst jersey that Barkley and KJ and Marley. Oh, my God. I love that you jersey. You love it. And I didn't, I, white, it was fine. In black, I didn't like it very much. But in purple, it's classic. It's classic. Did you have one I, when you were a kid? Oh, well, I wasn't. I was in college, but yeah, I had one. Oh, I had one. Oh, yeah. I, I, Who's I, on, whose name was on the back? I had a Kevin Johnson KJ. Jersey. Okay. He was my he All was right. my guy on those teams. You want to win one of those bad boys? Text the word Jersey to six twenty six twenty. You could win one. Again, text the word Jersey to six two zero six two zero. Now, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, all this talk about Kevin Durant today, and rightfully so, we'll circle back and reiterate what the top story of the day is. What about Donovan Mitchell? Because there's some chatter now that now that KD's not happening, Donovan Mitchell. Might. We'll give you the latest that Gambo knows next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. So again, circling back to our top story of the day, Kevin Durant has kissed and made up with the Brooklyn Nets. And the head coach that he wanted fired, Steve Nash, and the general manager he wanted fired, Sean Marks, and the owner that he demanded these things of, Joe Sy. Apparently they all met in Los Angeles sometime a couple of days ago, and they all decided they were going to make it work, and Kevin Durant was going to be back. 
And so now that this is done, and that this two-month saga, and it has been two months, he first asked for that trade back on June 30th, which just seems like forever ago. Now that it's done, in the minds of some, this might unlock the rest of the NBA to do the things they want to do right? because KD's not going anywhere. And, and I mean, the one big name, and there are others, but the one big name is that of Donovan Mitchell. Now that everybody can focus on not getting Kevin Durant, does this unlock, unfreeze, if you will, Donovan Mitchell and whether he's going to move out of Utah? I know there's been a lot of conversation about yeah, that. Yeah, there today. has. There's a lot of stuff about Donovan Mitchell, but but and, and some of the teams that are reported to be interested are, are not interested and have not made inquiries about Donovan Mitchell. Sacramento is not interested. Miami, and this is blown up on social media a whole lot because I'm saying they're not interested. They're not. So Miami and Sacramento are not interested. Neither is Atlanta. Atlanta's been tied to Donovan Mitchell, and Atlanta is not interested. So no for Atlanta, no for Miami, no for Sacramento. The teams that are interested in Donovan Mitchell are, of course, the Knicks, along with Cleveland, Washington, Charlotte, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Lakers. <laughs> so those are the teams. Can you imagine if the Nets, the Nets get Donovan Mitchell from, to play with KD? Yeah, and go from thinking Kyrie? they're not going to have Kyrie and KD, and instead they have both those guys, Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell? Well, I think they'd have to trade Ben Simmons. I know, they probably So would. they would have to trade Ben Simmons to get uh, Donovan Mitchell. Look, the other thing is like the Nick that the, 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 the Knicks said, uh, oh, they want seven first-round picks. That's not true at all. The, the, the seven first-round picks is ridiculous. I think you say that. That. They want seven first reps, so that way if you give four, you may you look good. Hey, they wanted seven. We only gave them four. Woo-wee. Man, we got them down on the price. So that's leaked out of New York somewhere. There was never an ask for seven. Look, I, I, I don't know if they're going to move him or not. Um, there's a lot of teams that are kind of thirsty for him and that want him. There's no question that the Knicks have the best package to offer, but the question is, are they willing to offer it? There are decent trades out there from Cleveland, Washington, in Charlotte um, that could be made, but I still think the Knicks have the best offer that could be that could be given in order to get Donovan Mitchell. I mean, the Knicks we knew about Washington, we knew about Charlotte, we knew about I, Cleveland is interesting. Cleveland's on the precipice of being good. There's some good young oh, talent yeah. there. I mean, that would be a, size, so much it, size. Yeah, it, that, that would be a real interesting spot for him to end up. Um, the the, the the other team, and my apologies if you said them, but I don't think you said them. The Lakers? The Lakers. I did say them. The Lakers? And that's in the Lakers. Yeah. I think that the Jazz, if they get the package that they would want, they would just take on the last year of Russell Westbrook's contract. They're not against that okay. as an expiring contract to make the money work. But if they got a package of players and picks that they want, they're not a, they're not against having to take back one bad. They're not going to take back three. But if the Jazz aren't against taking back like one bad contract, knowing that that contract's going to be over. There's been a lot of speculation around the league now that LeBron has signed that contract extension with the Lakers. Like, what are the Lakers prepared to do now to make 
LeBron happy. Okay, you you, you stayed. And, and in particular, there are two first-round picks the Lakers own. I think it's the 27 and the 29 yes, pick, if memory serves. Right. right. Those are the two. And, and there's been a lot of debate in NBA circles. Are those, in order to appease LeBron, and for lack of a better word, reward him for choosing to stay with the Lakers, are those picks now available? Can they be had? Will the Lakers dangle those in order to rebuild a contender around LeBron? Now, you know, there's been some talk about Kyrie, obviously. I would think today's news about KD probably cools that a little bit. Donovan Mitchell to the Lakers. To 25 join, years old. Yeah, to join He's 25. Anthony Davis and LeBron. And then now that would be a very interesting trio to see how those three. Now, but again, with Mitchell, it's a very ball dominant guy. LeBron James, a very ball dominant guy. You he know, would benefit from not having to be a number one guy. He Donovan Mitchell's not your. He's not a number one guy. So he's much better suited to be your second or third best player. Somewhere in between your second or third, he can't be your best player. So if you put him on a team with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, you know he might really excel there. He's limited in some of the things he could do. He goes right all the time. He doesn't play much defense. So you know teams can really game plan against him, especially in the playoffs. So that's why he's not. You know that's that's why Utah's blowing this thing up. Look, that didn't work. I mean, Gobert and Donovan Mitchell together didn't work. So they start over. They get all these picks for Gobert. They're very willing to trade. They don't. They're very willing to trade Mitchell. They're not going to trade him for nothing. But they also don't need seven first round draft picks for him, which some of the reports are. So yeah. that's kind of bogus. I bet he's gone, Mitchell. I bet he's gone. Yeah, I mean, I think that they would. I think that they would like to trade him. I think that they would like to move him. I I bet he's gone. I I just think between Gobert and and it is amazing. We we talked about this a little earlier with the Kevin Durant news, and again, we're going to circle back to it at the top of the hour because it's our top story of the day. But Kevin Durant, you know, make it nice with the Nets not going anywhere. It is amazing how Utah's trade of Rudy Gobert to the Minnesota Timberwolves screwed this whole thing up. It's like Deshaun Watson getting a fully guaranteed contract. Right. And it's just like, oh, that's the price? That's the price. Fully guaranteed. And then suddenly everyone's like, well, if that's what they got for him, that's what I want for my guy. Right. And I'm not going to give you anything less than what they got for him. That Rudy Gobert trade, it is. It's exactly like Deshaun Watson being the first quarterback to get a fully guaranteed salary. It's like once you break that seal and you go, okay, that's the price, suddenly everybody wants that now and everybody's asking for that. Well, unprotected picks in 2060, 2070, and 2080. I mean, I just put that (laughs) over the top. I mean, guys, who haven't even been born? I mean, yet. Guy, yeah, guys who yeah, yeah. he won't be born for thirty more years. Donovan no, Mitchell's getting moved. He's getting moved. I, I'm. They would. They would. I'd I, be surprised if he's not. Yeah, I won't say no for sure. Um, I, I I think the next question is: the, Are the Knicks going to go all in for Mitchell or not? And and again, it's not seven picks. They could they could get a deal done with four first round picks for Donovan Mitchell if you're the Knicks. You don't have to give up seven. Seven first round picks, but you could do a deal with four and some of the players that they want and get a deal done if they want to do it. Yeah, I, I, I tell you this: I don't fear the Lakers if they were to get Donovan Mitchell. It makes them more interesting. So let's look at the teams in the West that would get, that could get him. So, um, so New York East, Cleveland East, Washington East, Charlotte East, Brooklyn East. The only team in the West that has interest in Donovan Mitchell is the Lakers. Yep, and that's I don't, the only team in the West. And the reason why I don't fear him going to the Lakers, Anthony Davis' health. 
To me, that's what it all comes down to. I, I just, I don't know how, as a Lakers fan, you can trust Anthony Davis to stay healthy, be healthy when it matters most. I just don't know how you can count on it. Uh, what you've never been able to count on it since he's been there, and, and and so once you accept that and say you just don't know what you're going to get out of him, is Donovan Mitchell and LeBron James good enough to win the Western Conference? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think that's good enough to wet. If Anthony Davis is there, sure, but who knows if he's going to be there? Or I not. put a lot of Miami fans all over the edge today by saying that Miami is not in on Donovan Mitchell because they owe a lot of it seems like Miami fans really wanted him uh, but they're not going to get him. That's what it sounds like. Kevin Durant sat down with Sean Marks and Steve Nash and Joe Sigh and said, okay I'm good. Never mind. We're fine. And of course the fallout from that has been felt everywhere, especially here. here. And we'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show.